You're listening to the Rent Roll Radio Show with Sterling Chapman. Hey, Rent Roll Radio listeners, as always, I'm your host, Sterling Chapman. Today, we are joined by a really cool friend of mine that um, has helped me a good bit in the business, and I'm super excited to have him on. We have the debt-free doctor himself, Mr. Jeff Anzalone. Did I pronounce that last name right, Jeff? Anzalone. 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 Every time I say it, I I say it different. (laughs) Jeff, thanks so much for joining us. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me on uh, your show, Sterling. Looking forward to it. So, Jeff, can you, for our listeners, uh, just tell us a little bit about your background, uh, where you came from, how you got into real estate, and what you're doing these days? Sure. I'm, uh, like you, a Louisiana boy, and um, wanted to do something in the healthcare field when I was uh, in high school and college. During my Little League days and playing football and all that, I noticed all the coaches you know, the dads that were coaching there, they were all dentists. And then all the, then all the ones that their dads were physicians, they were never at the games because they were always working on call. So that, and that kind of, you know, showed me kind of the route to go. So I, I wound up going to LSU uh, dental school, um, went to Biloxi for a year, uh, worked in a hospital, VA hospital, got interested in surgery, went back to, uh, did a, another three-year residency uh, surgery, um, in LSU. And then, um, when I got out, I was supposed to come back here to, uh, Louisiana to join a group. Unfortunately, that deal didn't work out. Uh, they actually pulled the offer two weeks before I finished. So with having $300,000 in debt, a two month old and not knowing how to run a business or practice, that was pretty stressful to say the least, but, um, you know, I always think, wondered how you got the debt-free doctor name. Now I know three started with yeah. 300 grand in yeah. debt. And shoot, that's, that's a drop in the bucket these days. You know, it's, it's, you know, some of these cats are getting out and there's seven figures in debt. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Um, so, uh, but, um, you know, being from a small town, it, it word spread and I had a guy reach out to me that was also a dental specialist. He kind of had the same thing happen to him too. And um, he said, look, I've, I've got a building you can rent from. So, I don't, you know, I've take out any more loans. You, you know, you can use my staff. We can kind of share supplies and all that. And um, I did that for two years and um, took me under my wing, under his wing. Super helpful. Great guy. And during that time period, I also started mowing yards again, um, like I used to in high school, uh, just to make ends meet. It was as you can imagine, it was very humbling, but um, I was sure. the most well-trained yard guy in the country, probably <laughs> <laughs> the most educated. But um, uh, I always wanted to 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 have my own practice, and, and he knew that going in. So after two years, I, I, I bought the building that I'm in now, but I didn't have any type of financial like guidance or whatever. The only person that I really knew about was, as you mentioned, Dave Ramsey, and. And, I, and we just went through and we were just following his baby steps, you know, save your money for emergency fund, debt snowball, start with the smallest debt, pay it off, move on to the next one. So after about seven years or so, we had paid off uh, all the debt, all the student loan, and then that first house that we were in. But but the thing was, you know, you you you, you go every day, you know, and you, you got this huge goal and, and it takes you seven years to get there. And you would think that once you hit it, it's like, 
you know, you're on top of the world. And, and it lasted for like 24 hours. <laughs> it was kind of like, there's got to be more to it than this. It's kind of like, you know, now what? So I just kept, you know, going to work and put money in a 401k, the, the practice 401k. And it actually took a snow skiing accident to, to kind of, that was my wake up call for passive income and in real estate. Because we were skiing in Beaver Creek and a, and a kid cut in front of me. And when I, when I fell, uh, I injured my wrist, I bent my wrist back. And that was the very first time, you know, I used to play like rec league basketball and stuff, you know, I, and I had some injuries or whatever. And then after that, you know, playing basketball, you know, if your foot's injured or your knee's injured, the next time you play, you're kind of thinking, you're kind of like, oh, I don't want to like overdo it to hurt my knee again. Mm-hmm. Well, I, you know, I never had like any injury to affect my work, but when I, when that happened with my wrist that, you know, I started thinking, well, luckily it wasn't anything major, but you know, if I wouldn't be able to work, you know, how would I provide? Cause it was just that one stream of income coming in. So that inevitably led me to start educating myself about, you know, what, successful people, what these millionaires do. And, and after researching it a lot, two facts stood out. First one was over 90% of them had real estate in their portfolio. Back then we just owned our, our personal residence, uh, no, nothing, you know, rental property or anything like that. And then the second thing is uh, most of these people had many streams of income and we just had the dental income coming in. So I thought in order to invest in real estate, I had to go find a house, rehab it, you know, get hire a contractor uh, and, and you're, you're pretty experienced in all that flipping houses and, you know, dealing, dealing with that and get it rented, you know, whenever they knock a, a hole in the wall, you know, sheet rocket and, and all that kind of stuff. That's what I thought because many of my friends here in Louisiana, they, they either own property or they run their parents' property and that's what they do. You know, they're an active investor. Didn't really want to do it because, you know, I didn't want to want to take time away from my practice and didn't want to take much time away from my family, but it was more of, it wasn't like I'm going to do it to make, make a bunch of money. You know, I was making, you know, a great income. It was more of an insurance policy you know, having like a backup plan sort of thing. If, you know, if things go wrong, if like a pandemic hits or something, you know, who would have thought of that? (laughs) But, um, so it, I wound up finding a guy that was also used to be a dentist in Dallas that was teaching other dentists about real estate. He was having a meeting. So I said, Hey, what better place to learn from than a dentist with a room full of dentists that want to be real estate investors too? get my truck, drive over there. And I spent two days there and I didn't learn anything about being an active investor, which was really cool because it really opened my eyes to all the many different ways to invest in real estate passively. And, you know, there was all kinds of different ways, which eventually led me to investing in what I'm mainly doing now. And that's with uh, syndications, you know, slowly, but surely it's not a get rich quick thing, as you know, but slowly, but surely replacing my active income you know, to kind of give me that insurance, that peace of mind. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, I have a few comments on that. Uh, I'm very well familiar with the headaches of active investing. 
And uh, if you ever hear me complain, which if you're around me uh, often enough, you will, uh, it's never about the passive. It's never about the apartment complexes. It's always about the houses. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's always about the rehabs. It's always about the tenants. That's, that is my pain point. Um, the apartment complexes are, are beautiful and, um, and my investors love the passive. So we support that. One of the, I have two questions about a couple of things you said. I just want to explore these ideas a little bit more with you. Um, well, the first one is you said 90% of millionaires, or, or, or I don't know if you use the term millionaires, but you said 90% had real estate in their portfolio. And so I've heard this thing two different ways. And I'm curious if, if you have an, a, a response to my question. The first one is I hear 90% of millionaires were made so through real estate. And the other way I hear it is 90% of millionaires own real estate, which suggests like they bought the real estate after they were millionaires. So do, is it one way or another? Or have you heard both? Or do you, do you have an opinion about that? Well, from, from kind of what I've read, it's, you know, they, they have it in their portfolio, whether it's REITs, whether they're active investor, passive investor, they have some sort of rental property income coming in besides their W-2, from what yeah. I could tell. The, the other question I have from what you said was about in the neighborhood of, of multiple streams of income. So I've always heard that, right? Uh, successful people have multiple streams of income. Everybody wants multiple streams of income. But I, I saw a post the other day that I thought was interesting. And it was somewhere, something along the lines of like, yeah, once people get successful, they establish multiple streams of income to diversify. But in the establishment, the building blocks, they focus. And, and I, that, I really like that concept because I, I so often see potential real estate investors or potential entrepreneurs, you know, and all kinds of different things. They try like 50 different things. And they, they, you know, I've heard it on bigger pockets explain is like they start building a bridge to this Island. And then they start building a bridge to this Island. They start building a bridge, and they never like finish the bridge. So they never really get anywhere. And I see that with people all the time. They're like, I'm selling online stuff, uh, you know, socks online. I'm, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I'm a real estate investor. I'm a wholesaler. I'm a, you know what I mean? Um, so do you, do you preach typically more of, a right out the gate, build as many streams of income as you can, or do you like a, a focus and, and, and go deep and then, then expand? I, you know, I, I think it just depends on the person and their situation, you know, with most of the people that I deal with, you know, or other physicians, dentists, people that have had to acquire a lot of debt to uh to get their education plus they're starting late in the ball game uh i think that we get out and we make enough money to where we can do both we can pay down our debt aggressively but yet we can save money to uh at the same time you know if you're disciplined enough you know and you know and i um, I know Grant Cardone teaches this. Um, there's somebody else that teaches the same thing too. Their name sl slips my mind, but um, they they basically both said, "Do everything you can right when you get out to save up a hundred grand." Mm -hmm. 
And because there's, you know, even you look on these online forums and you talk to people and they're like, well, Hey, I've got two grand or I've got five grand. Where should I put it? You know, I've got a 10% investment or, you know, it's like, who cares the difference between a thousand bucks and interest and 1200 till you get a hundred grand. That's when you can really start, uh, you know, getting focused. So that's what I tell them to, to do is to, you know, get rid of a lot of that consumer debt, but focus on saving up that hundred grand. And then once you got that, then you got something you can work with. But um, again, it just depends on the, some people are very risk averse. Some people are not. So um, I always just kind of tell people what I did and then they should form their own investment, you know, decisions or philosophy based on their, you know, how they, how they approach debt and how they approach risk. Awesome. So tell us about some of the projects you're investing passively in. Um, right now I'm in, uh, 11 deals. Um, most of them are multifamily. I'm in, uh, two self-storage deals, uh, getting ready to get into another one in Alabama. Um, I've been looking for mobile home parks and RV parks this year. Uh, still looking, uh, I've got, I've got some people that, um, have mentored me in that space, uh, learned a lot about it. Um, I mean, especially for the mobile home parks, it's like the, the, the worse the economy gets, the better those things do, you know? So it's, it's a real good, um, you know what I've loved about, and I don't have any, any investments in them, but conceptually what I love about the idea of self-storage is, um, you know, one of the things that scares me about multifamily, which I'm, you know, anybody listening probably knows I'm all about multifamily, but but, you know, when you think about like, what are the risks? One of the things that, that always kind of makes me nervous is like the political risk. Like, what if we turn into New York or California and all of a sudden, the, you know, we get voted out and somebody says we can't raise the rent or or we can't kick people out of property we own, like like the, the political risk mm-hmm. that, that, that we well, like. With self-storage, I feel like nobody really gets emotional over people's shit, right? Yeah. Like you're not kicking Sally with three kids out on the street. You're like, you're, you're kicking her old piano out on the road. So right. I don't think we're in as much risk at having some legislation like, you know what I'm saying, really limit our capacity with storing excess stuff. Yeah, and another thing you have to look at with self-storage is, okay, well, people are downsizing a lot, you know, as, as prices are going up or or just baby boomers are downsizing whenever you're moving to college, kids will rent them whenever you're moving jobs or whatever, you'll rent these self-storage facilities. And it's, it's a hassle, you know, to pack up all your stuff, put it in there. Well, you know, these are, a lot of these are like month to month leases. Yeah. So if somebody wants to, you know, if you own self-storage and you, and you're charging, let's say hundred bucks a month and you want to raise it 10%, well, that's 10%. That's a lot of money, but it's 10 bucks. Right. So is somebody gonna, and so if, if I, if I'm paying a hundred bucks and somebody calls me and goes, Jeff, well, we're, we're bumping you up to 110 a month. You think I'm going to take off work, <laughs> right. go rent a U-Haul, try to find a place that's cheaper, haul that and and, and no, you're not. So to me, that's like Sticky. the ultimate reset, hyper recession resistant uh, asset, cash flowing asset yeah. is self-storage for that reason right there. No, that's good. I agree. I I can think about it. And like, we've had my dad, you know, 
throughout my years that I can imagine, I can think of, he's always had some self storage units, sometimes up to three self storage units for just, I mean, a plethora of different reasons, whether it was like, you know, Andy moved out to go to college, but he, you know what I mean? We didn't ship his stuff to, to where he was going temporarily or, mm-hmm. you know, Sterling moved here, but he might move there later or, you know, we downsized this house, but we might be buying a bigger house later or, or this is antiques from that I inherited from my grandmother that I don't want to necessarily throw away, but there's no room for them in the house. You know, I mean, we've got, we got two storage units right now. It's just like extra supplies, like extra materials we bought for rehab and houses that we didn't have to put anywhere, but we didn't want to throw it away. And it's, you know what I mean? You can just store mm-hmm. it for a hundred bucks a month. So there's, and, then, and you know, a lot of these neighborhoods, they have a lot of these restrictions where you can't, not so much in Louisiana, but you know, in other places, right. you can't have like an RV or a camper or a boat, you know, in, yeah. your, in your driveway or, you know, in Louisiana, in your front yard or whatever. Right. So, you know, a lot of times they're, they'll the make HOA, you, yeah. yeah. So you got to use boat and RV storage. So that's just another thing depending on the, the area. Yeah, no, that's, that's good stuff. Um, so how do, how is it that you work with investors? Because you're a passive investor. Mm-hmm. And but you 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 work with other passive investors to participate. So what does that model look like? So so basically what I do is on my blog and YouTube channel, as I'm learning things like, you know, for instance, I just did a video as I was telling you before about what's going on right now with inflation, uh, interest rates, debt and how we can use all of that that's going on right now to to not only save money, but to make money. So things that I think people in my situation should know, I write about, or I talk about on the video. And then um, what's happened over time is people have been interested in a lot of this stuff. And they said, well, all I'm doing is invest in the stock market. How do I get into some of these real estate deals? Can you ever tell us what you're investing in? So I had enough people ask me that over time that I started um, what I call my passive investor circle group, which is nothing more than accredited investors that, uh, and IRS states accredited investors, either based on your income or your net worth, you got to make 200,000 a year single or 300,000 a year married, or you got a net worth of a million bucks or more, not including your primary residence, you're termed an accredited investor. So most of these deals that I'm in, well, all the deals that I'm in, you have to be an accredited investor in order to basically uh, to join that. So these accredited investors, um, I give them access to any deal that I personally invest in throughout the year, whether it's apartments, self-storage or, you know, or whatever. Um, and that was basically just from them asking for it. So I turned around and gave it to them, which is pretty much the same model, what the guy in Dallas was doing, the dentist mm-hmm. that I went to back in, 2014, which, uh, which actually I heard now he charges them, uh, $8,000, $8,000 a month, uh, just to have access. And it's a, it's a year, you know, it's basically a hundred grand a year, um, to have access to the people that he works with for deals. So what is your, what is your specific position? Do you have a fund? Are you a, just a co-GP to these operators? Are you a broker? What are you? Um, right right now, I, I, I typically just partner with them like a okay. co-general partner. 
but um, I am in the process of looking into doing my own fund. And um, the reason is many of these, as you know, many of these general partners, they, you know, they want to focus on what they do best. And they, what they do best is they find deals, they underwrite deals, they get financing, they manage them. They're more geared towards property. And they take people like me and other people like you and other people that have this big following of people that want to invest. So what they do is they'll incentivize people uh, if, if, you know, if they have a fund. And so like, for instance, if I had a fund, um, well, uh, limit up, you know, somebody out there, if they wanted to invest in XYZ property, well, they could direct directly go with them. But if they come through my fund first, which that fund invests in that property, they get incentives. You know, they may have a higher preferred return. Um, they may have some a little bit more equity on the back end. They may have a a, a minimum, you know, if the if the minimum investment's hundred grand, they may lower it to seventy five. So that they're incentivized, and in that way, they can the general partner group can focus on what they do best, and they don't have to worry about trying to find investors and market and all that. So they have, you know, maybe four or five people with a bunch of accredited investors looking for good people to invest with. So that's, that's the situation that I've, I've been in now. Awesome. So what, a, what type of fund are you looking at starting? Um, you know, it's, it's basically, it's called a fund of funds where um, I'm eventually thinking about having different projects in it. Um, you know, I may have like a self-storage fund uh, or like a multifamily fund, you know, or a mobile home park fund, you know, things like that. You know, a lot of times, like I said, these sponsors will actually set them up for you, or there's ways that you can go to set it up yourself. And then, you know, then, then go looking for people to invest with. Awesome. So what, what, uh, what have you learned along the way that, that you would tell somebody just starting out just just getting into your shoes, just out of college, just looking into multifamily. Any mistakes you've made that you would want to warn them about? Yeah, I, um, one of the first biggest deals that I did, uh, lost fifty grand. <laughs> oh, that was wow. a that was a pretty good learning mistake. And um, how did that happen? That was uh, I didn't know anything about investing directly with sponsors. Everything that I was doing back then was online crowdfunding. And, you know, you go to some of these crowdfunding sites, like back then it was realtyshares.com yeah. was, that was the big, that and patch of land, yeah. which, um, you know, Joe Fairless was, was, uh, you know, they were sponsoring a lot of his stuff. So I, you know, I always heard patch of land and realty shares. So I was putting my trust in a website and you don't get to know, you know, who these people are, you know, so once, once I lost that money, I, I realized that I needed to do something different. And I started seeking out people. Now I go meet with them. I go uh, property with them. And I just went down to South Louisiana about a month ago. We looked at some self-storage down there. Not only did I get to look at the property, but I get to meet the people that are running it. You know, you kind of get a feel for somebody once you meet them, what the business plan is, you know, kind of look at their morals or ethic, you know, and there's, and there's some people that, you know, that have wanted me to work with them, but um, I've just, you just kind of get a, a feeling about people that you just kind of don't trust them, you know? Sure. So, but you can't do that when you go on a crowdfunding site, you know, it's just, 
you're looking at property and you're looking at these returns and you can put anything down on a crowdfunding site. So uh, I would, I would uh, just starting out, I would focus on finding a handful of people spread out your investments with, you know, um, you know, not having it all with one group, having it with a, a few groups, but you know, yeah. the, the, the sponsors, because uh, this is the, you're investing in people. Sure. But you think you're investing in property, but you're investing, you're really investing in people. You know, it's, it's so, it's so crazy how much you're investing in people. So um, I learned, I've learned that lesson in the, in the last few days, you know, raising for two separate deals and one I have major control over and, and the other, you know, is, is one of those, those co-sponsor type situations and the co-sponsor type situation is like, it is being run by somebody with 10 X more experience than me. You know, it's a class A, it's a much better product. You know what I mean? Like you would think that 10 times out of 10, they would pick that newer, prettier asset with the, with the guy with thousands of units, you know, but over and over and over again, people go, no, I, I want to invest with, with the one that you have total control over because I know you, and I know you have total control over it. Right. And, um, and I'm, I mean, it's, it, it's cool to hear, but that's very much the case. People are investing in the operator and they're investing with, with who they trust, especially passive folks that don't, they don't want to do homework. They don't want to know, you know, they don't want to learn how it works. They just want to know that they can trust somebody who, who knows how it I mean, works. But, but think about how the whole investment process is what most people do. They go to a financial advisor and, okay, well, here's my money every month. Just invest it for me. They don't even know where it's going. They can't even, they can't even read a statement. They can't even tell me what they're paying, what the fees they're paying, the fund, what the yeah. fees they're paying the advisor. All they do is they look every month and it's like, you know, oh yeah, look, you know, it looks like I've made money this month. And it's like, you know, it's, it's crazy that it, it and when you, when you take a step back and, and look at it um, and, and Grant Cardone had like this podcast or video or something he did the other day. And, and, it, and literally I like, I hit pause and just kind of started laughing because it, it just made me realize just how kind of the whole system is set up. You know, we're, they, they put us through when I say they, you know, it's whoever you think they is, you know, they, <laughs> they put us through college. They, they, I mean, my son is 17. He's a, he's getting ready to be a senior in high school. He's already getting mail from discover uh, visa mastercard uh he's getting stuff you know for student loans so they're already you know attacking our kids wanting to put put them in all this debt and then you know it, proverbs 22 7 you know the, the borrower slave to the lender so they're 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 putting them they're going to be financial slaves like i was you know all through during school so when you get out it's like you you have to go to work you you have to get a job I've paid down debt and had my credit score go down as a result on <laughs> multiple occasions. Yeah. It, it wows me every time. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, they're, they're, they're doing all this. And then, so you're like, okay, well, like me, you know, all right, if I wouldn't have done real estate, I would have done what every other, you know, physician and dentist does. I'm, I'm going to work for 30, 40 years. I've got this huge debt to pay off. I'm going to work for 30, 40 years. So I'm just going to invest in this stock market thing that I don't understand. You know, I don't know why I can't tell you why Apple stock goes up or, you know, Google goes down or whatever. It's, it's just like, but I can understand when you buy a piece of property and you fix it, you know, I can understand that and you raise the rents and it's worth more. Yeah, and, yeah. But um, so, 
so yeah, we're, we're just, we're put in this system and it's like, you think about it. We go to school all this time to learn how to make money. And yet we get out, we don't even know what to do with it. So we just blindly hand it over to people. You know, for me, I went to school for, for 12 years after high school. Mm. So I, I went through all this education and if I would have just taken six months or a year to, to educate myself on how, what to do with my money. And really the, the, like the, the secret is the taxes is the, the tax mitigation. I got an undergrad in finance from LSU and I got an MBA from LSU Shreveport with a concentration in finance. And I learned everything I know about finance from YouTube and bigger pockets in about yeah. six months when I was 30. <laughs> yeah. So Cardone was saying, your biggest expense, your whole career is going to be your taxes. You're going to, you're going to pay seven figures or more in taxes. And if you could educate yourself, we, we get no education. Okay. And I'm, I'm walking out of dental or medical school. I'm, I'm about to hit it, start making money. I've got all this education on how to make money, how to make a lot of money, but the more you make, the more taxes you paid, the more you make, all these tax breaks that you would get, student loans, uh, different things, it all phases out because you make too much money. You're too successful. We're not going to give you these tax breaks. So you, you're paying all this, all this taxes. But so you're caught in the rat race. You're caught in the system where you have to work for 30 or 40 years unless you educate yourself early on, six months to a year on how to pay basically zero taxes. And it's, it's the cost segregation. You know, I'm, I have a guy at, at the college that I'm mentoring that plays tennis. He, he, he uh, used to play tennis. So we go hit every week. He's going to pharmacy school. And I'm like, well, right now, dude, I'm paying you money to hit with you, but I'm giving you all this education. So as soon as you start making money and you start reaping, you're going to start <laughs> paying me back, you know, for yeah. it. But I'm, and I'm telling him all this, you know, and I'm like, look, instead of, watching Instagram and stupid YouTube videos right now is a time to educate yourself because you're going to get out and you're going to make a boatload of money. You're going to pay a boatload of taxes. Mm -hmm. And if you understand how the tax system works, how you get into things where they you know, cost segregation, where you can accelerate your depreciation, where you can do all these things that like you, I learned on YouTube and from other people, I got none of that. So you could just get out and just pay zero taxes and make a hundred grand a year. You'll be better off doing that than making 500 a year paying, you know, 300 in taxes and, you know, and spending everything. So, you know, just that, sorry, I got off on a little rant there, but you know, <laughs> I hear you. so what's next for you, Jeff? Um, I am right now I'm, I'm heavily focused on, um, doing everything I can to replace my dental income. So then I can go to the, the real estate, real estate education, uh, full-time. And I love doing it. Love writing articles. Uh, love doing the videos. I really love seeing it help change people. You know, the people that I connect with every week on the phone, and you know, I'm sure you're the same way you, you know, you provide these people with hope that they, Again, they thought they were going to have to work for 40 years. And you mean I don't have to work until I'm 70 and, you know, <laughs> rely on my 401k, you know, and all this stuff. So it, it's really cool to be able to to do that. And that's really what what keeps me going, those connections. Yeah, we're changing lives for sure. Absolutely. I mean, the 
the, the, I think about this a lot, you know, I thought about it through the whole process of like rebranding my website and my, you know, the content that I create and, and all of that kind of stuff. And, and so part of the process is like going through your company mission and like what you really do and to help people and stuff. And, and it's, it is, um, it's insane what we're doing, teaching people to, to be financially independent, to not have to work till they're 70. You know, if you can retire 20 years earlier, that's adding 20 years to the end of your life. You think about it. I mean, you, like we were, we were born to do more than work and pay bills. Right. And if you can, mm-hmm. if you can, create an environment where you can retire 20 minutes, 20 years early, I mean, and replace your income with passive income and not go to work every day, five days a week from the time the sun comes up to this time, the sun goes down. I mean, it's, it's truly like adding that time to the end of your life, mm-hmm. you know, except for you're kind of young enough to enjoy it, you know? So it's even better than that. But um, I mean, more time with your family, more time to travel more, you know, it's, uh, it's very, very impactful in, in many ways, besides just a, you know, what you think of when you, you know, a lot of people look at the topic of money and they're just like, oh, this, you know, the greedy Mr. Scrooge, who wants to just pile up piles of gold. It's like, well, there, I mean, there's a lot of different, there's like somebody who wants to spend more time with their kids. There's somebody who wants to go start a nonprofit, but, you know, doesn't have time to go, you know, be impactful to society because they're stuck at the grind, just paying their bills. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of, a lot of, you know, good and wholesome things that come out of this. And besides just the, you know, the media narrative of the evil money bad, you know? Yep. Absolutely. And and you, you were spot on with that, you know, start nonprofits or volunteering or just, you know, being able, even if, even if you can't retire, you can cut back from five days to three days or two days a week. Well, I give you more time to pursue, to pursue your passions, or if you want to volunteer more at your church, or you want to start a food bank, or you wanted to, to coach a, a, you know, a, a youth team or, or whatever it is that your interests are, you have options doing it the old way, the work for 40 years, uh, 40, 50 hours a week, 401k, that doesn't give you many options. Yeah, absolutely. So Jeff, how can our listeners find out more about you? How can they get in touch with you? Yeah, they can go to the website, uh, debtfreedoctor.com. Um, and I also have a, a passive income guide I've put together for people that um, are kind of new to this um, passive income creation. So um, I've, I've kind of put in there how I started with it, some specific examples that you really don't need as much money as you think to retire. And I've got some specific examples in there. They can go to debtfreedr.com slash free guide. Awesome. And we'll put that in the show notes as well. Before we end, I, I just have one last segment I want to go through. And it's just our, our, our radio round where we ask you three questions to help our listeners get to know you a little better. The first question is, what's your favorite book? Favorite book is what I read every morning when I get up and it's the Bible. Awesome. That has been a, a, a very common answer on the show. Probably, yeah, especially when you have two, the second most common behind uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad. And when you have when you have teenagers and you see what they're having to deal with in this world, um, having something that can really keep keep you well, well, Dad, why why are you teaching us that or why are you saying that? Well, well, it's written right here, you know, and you can't really say much much more about that. So, um, you know, it is what it is. Nice. What's your favorite quote? 
the probably the the one that I gave you earlier because it was so important to me about because we were in so much debt it was just like a, a fog over us with you know the the bar is slave to the lender but I also have a, another one too that I've got up here on my mantle I don't know if you can see it or not but uh, it was from Walt Disney if you can dream it you can do it because I never would have thought that I would have had the ability to to potentially retire much easier um without having this um you know being being um involved with real estate and start thinking about it just opens your mind all the different options that are out there with with the different investments and making money and it and it's true if you can dream if you can just come up with it it's like you know, all you need is an idea and there's you know kind of like that book uh think and grow rich right right here who not how yeah that has held me back so much you know that that that's what held me back from um starting a youtube channel because like well how how do i have time to do it how do i edit it how do i make the thumbnails (laughs) how do i do and it was like when you read the book it's like you just find a who to do it for you and there's plenty of who's out there that can do whatever you know and it's it goes back to that quote if you can dream it if you can think of it you can find somebody to help you do it. Absolutely. And what's your favorite thing to do when you're not working? Um, spend a lot of time with the kids. We play tennis. Uh, my son's a quarterback right now at a high school. So awesome. we go out and uh, throw, throw the ball a good bit. It, it kind of helps keep me in shape uh, some and uh, work out, just, just stay active. Awesome. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for uh, joining the show. I really appreciate it. I appreciate all the, the help along the way. And I, I, uh, I'm sure our listeners are going to, Love to hear from you as well. Absolutely. Thanks for tuning in to the Rent Roll Radio Show brought to you by Crestworth Capital. We hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, please hit the subscribe button and leave us a rating and review. You can also visit us at CrestworthCapital.com or RentRollRadio.com or follow us on Facebook at Rent Roll Radio or at Crestworth Capital. If you would like to reach us, feel free to shoot us an email at info at rentrollradio.com or sterling at crestwordcapital.com. We hope you come back next week to join us on some more of our journey. Until then, happy investing.